Hello and welcome to Richard Chang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Rahel Estepur, Rahel Estepur, coming today from my dining room in Shepherd's Bush. Um, my special guest is me too, myself, uh, and me and me too will be, <laughs> we'll be explaining some stuff that's coming up. So this isn't like an official podcast, but there is an exciting extra uh, attached to this, which is why it's so long, because uh, amazingly, and this is pretty amazing, uh, the podcast has been nominated for Best Comedy at the Sony Awards. Uh, it's the first internet show ever to, and I think possibly even the first non-BBC show to ever be nominated in this category, which is usually radio shows. But we did enter... Uh, in the hope that you know, there might be some aberration, someone might go insane and nominate us, and that has indeed happened, much to my surprise. So at the end of this particular spiel, well, I just will tell you what's coming up soon. Uh, we will be playing the tape that my producer, uh, Ben, uh, put together for um, Ben Walker. Let's give him his full name. He put it together, and uh, this is what got us the nomination, his fantastic work in picking out some funny bits. So it's a kind of highlights package of some of the funny bits from the show. So if you haven't heard the show before, this is quite a good starting point. You can get, you'll get a little taste of tape. And if you have, you might not want to listen to it because you've heard it all. You might just want to remind yourself of all the brilliant things that happen. But I'm also here to tell you that the series is returning. First up in on May the 4th, I am doing a one-off special at the McCunfleth Comedy Festival in Wales. So it's Rehalestapur Bhattamakafer. So get ready, get used to shouting that out, Bhattamakafer. I will be talking to Pappies, the three uh, Perrier-nominated comedians. It's not called the Perrier anymore, but I still call it that because that's just a kind of crazy dude I am. Uh, and um, it, there's still some tickets for that if you want to come along, if you're in Wales, if you want to travel, as some extreme fans are doing and proper fans are doing. Uh, but it will, of course, be available as a free audio as soon as we can get it uploaded. So you don't even have to come out. You don't have to pay a thing. It's all there. But we are doing a new series uh, of six in May and June, starting on May the 27th, uh, where my guest will be Chris Addison from The Thick of It, and he directs Veep. He's in, been in movies, uh, and he was also in a show about the internet with uh, Gail Porter, which is what I will be mainly talking to him about. Uh, and um, uh, there are lots of other potential guests that I haven't been able to completely confirm yet so I can't tell you about they're very exciting names, film stars and top comedians um, so I hope you will come down and watch those live you can go to the Leicester Square Theatre uh, website there's a link at richtang.com it's probably the easiest way to get there and um, it, you know, we need you there to keep the thing going because that's the only way it makes any revenue at the moment um, so if you can come down that would be fantastic if you can't don't worry there may be another way of getting revenue because all these will be put out for free as usual on iTunes as an audio but this time these six that we're doing in London we are planning to film them all uh, which will cost us a little bit of money I have to say uh, and uh, then we will be offering a paid download of the video which you can buy or you'll be able to buy a DVD at the end or a series link uh, for a certain amount of money. I don't think we've quite decided how much it's going to be, but it's not going to be very expensive. Um, but we're hoping we can make our money back uh, on the investment we'll be making in filming them. But I think it might just add an extra little dimension to them. And if you if you enjoy the podcasts, or the audio podcasts, and want to pay for those, you can, of course, just pay to download the videos and not watch the videos if you want to give money. So we'll see how that goes. If it works out, we'll keep doing it. If it loses us lots of money, we won't keep on doing it. Uh, but it's actually partly a plan I've got for doing another show at the Square Theatre Podcast, which will be only filmed. 
um, and, and released uh, on the internet somehow. So there'll be more details about that. But if you want to buy tickets or if you want to get just get in a sense of excitement at the end of May, there will be more of those uh, coming up and uh, you will be able to watch them. Uh, and uh, so I think that's all the main information I have to give you. Uh, so we will now tack on the Ben Walker's edit of the best of the first couple of series of Rahel Estepa, which has been nominated for a prestigious Sony Award. And if I win it, it will, you know, I will change. It will change me to a different kind of person. Um, but luckily, I will not win it. Uh, your support and is very much appreciated. And uh, I hope you enjoy all this free stuff. And if you can give anything back, that would be lovely. If you can't, or if you don't want to, that's all right too. We're all having a good time. Uh, thanks for listening. And here is the best of Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Let, do tell your friends about this. If you can spread the word, let them know about the link and uh, see what they think. Maybe they'll become as big a fan as you, which I know you are. Okay, see you in a bit, bye. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. What? She's pregnant? Oh, God, I knew I should have used a condom. Will you please welcome Richard Herring? <laughs> Love to see you all. Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahel Estepper. It's the last of 2012. It's the last one, probably ever. If the, the Mayan calendar is correct, we'll never do We'll never do it. It is correct that it ends. Um, we might do some more next year. Thank you. Because <laughs> that one man shouted for it. All right, we'll see you in May. Uh, but um, uh, it's a very funny podcast. In fact, uh, the uh, Adam Buxton podcast, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, uh, and that's a question later on. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, at Emma of England, uh, went into labour uh, a week ago, <laughs> laughing at the podcast with me uh, and Adam Buxton. That is how funny it is. Other podcasters will say, oh yeah, my podcast is so funny, it made coffee come out of someone's nose. I made a human being come out of someone's vagina. That is how, that is how funny this is. So good luck to Emma Irving. I hope you're naming the child uh, Rahel Estepa. Uh, that would be good. Uh, so um, the book's out. Let's talk about the book because it sounds a, a fascinating w a way of doing an autobiography and it's got a lovely uh, ending to it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's called, yeah, it's, it's a sort of an autobiography, but I do it like a walk because yes. uh, I've got a bad back. And every day I do a walk for about an hour. And I did. I walked here tonight. Did you? Yeah. I thought um, you were perspiring a little as you... Yeah, that, was, that would have been from the walking. The walking. Wow. And, yeah. That's, uh, it's not funny, but it's true. No, it's, it's one it's of those true. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so I thought, I'd, um, I thought if I, um, call, you know, if I did it as a walk, I could miss out the boring parts of my life. Yeah. I could put things in about what sort of annoys me in the world, because that's the way I desperately try and amuse <laughs> is by finding things that irritate me. Um, and uh, I also thought that way there's a good pun in the title, which actually I didn't think of myself. It was thought of by the producer Dan Patterson, right. who, uh, who I, I feel very guilty to have taken. To be fair, he didn't have a back pain-based memoir in the <laughs> pipeline. He did suggest it to me. So... Um, Backstory. Yeah. Backstory back is back what story. it's called. Back yeah. Story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was. I, I had yeah. a different idea of what it would be about. <laughs> I have 
<laughs> I thought it would be about all the anal sex that David Mitchell had had, and then Tate telling his autobiography. Wouldn't that be? <laughs> wouldn't that be? I'm, I'm giving up on the, the sort of the, the cigarette holder uh, mic stand. Yeah, this um, is nice. Yeah, no, um, I, feel, I immediately feel more relaxed. Yeah. Um, but so you thought it was it was about anal sex? I did. That's what I wouldn't. Wanted. I have called it bum story. <laughs> or, you couldn't have done that. It would have been too. Uh, you it's like a rather a, rather an elegant allusion <laughs> yeah. to sodomy. The kind of backstory, the story of the times that the back part of me, particularly the orifice thereon, has been, you know, for my own pleasure, violated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting. I thought it'd be yeah. about the times you'd violated other people's anuses, but it's interesting oh, that you have chosen the back side. That, you have, that you've chosen the other one. I think yeah. that's that's where my brilliant interviewing technique pays dividends. <laughs> You put them off guard and suddenly we reveal that David yeah. Mitchell's been sodomised many times. <laughs> Enough times to write a book about it. It's actually a book in which he then perversely mentions none of these occasions, despite the, the clear cry for help in the title. Now, actually, it would make more sense, wouldn't it, if I was doing the, the sodomising, because yeah. I would be then sort of looking at backs a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I spend a lot of time. Also, if you're doing that, you can yeah. put your pad on the back of them. You're right. You could be right. <laughs> this, this it could was, just be an autobiography written. This is the story what? I wrote <laughs> while I glumly fucked. <laughs> strange man after strange man. Get, it doesn't so have, have to be men. It doesn't have to be yeah. men. It can be women. It's interesting that. It you're allowed so to have anal sex. It's a, it's a very good point. But only if they say yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only if they say please go ahead. That is something yeah. I might enjoy. Um, <laughs> so it's not that. No. So I don't need to buy it now. That's. Uh, uh, and, but it's all about and it's, yeah, and it's very sweet because you've fallen in love and it's and it's quite soppy. It's quite like properly lovey dovey. Well, at, at the at the end, I mentioned yeah. that I've uh, yeah I'm getting married. Yeah. And I'm in all in love, which is very nice. It means the book has a a sort of happy ending yeah. rather than um, and I don't I mean you probably if I say happy ending you probably think that means a wank off after a massage um, but you know well hopefully yeah. it, hopefully yeah. you hopefully you will ejaculate at some point with your wife yeah. so it does, yeah, so it does I, 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 I chose not to describe okay. that in the, in the book perhaps I missed a trick well you did as, as I saw the cum come out of my cock I knew all is finally well with the world I'll stop yeah the end. Yeah, the end. Uh, no, I, I didn't. I've, in many ways, I've been. I've, I've expressed it a lot more prudishly than that, and I'm, I'm very ashamed. Well, I've written a book. I'm, I'm planning a big rewrite, and it's going to be a lot more, a lot cheesier. <laughs> Is um, we did uh, Armistice together, and we used to oh, yes. we, we used to go to the um, we used to do it at the BBC, mm. and uh, there were little acts of vandalism that people would do, which were like Andy Riley. Uh, there was like it, there were all these kind of um, paintings with kind of splashes of, of you know kind of vaguely Jackson Pollock type things, mm. and Andy would just draw new little bits on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he'd always do it. But the, but the other thing was twice we were in studios, or we were in offices. Once was Big Break, you know? Yeah. Remember Big Break? Jim Davidson. Jim Davidson. 
<laughs> and, uh, and Peter Bainham, there would always be cards on the walls. Yes. And Peter was a master of writing things on the cards that he shouldn't. <laughs> like, they're, 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 all the cards would have guests of who's going to be on. Yes. You know, so if you big break, you see, you know, Bruce Forsyth or whatever, you know. And Peter wrote um, Vivian Westwood. <laughs> And slipped it in. <laughs> slipped it in the <laughs> and the next week she was on the front. <laughs> well, but the, the, sorry, no, 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 go on. Well, no, just one week I remember we were in the office that was used by Last of the Summer Wine. Oh, yes. They were all out <laughs> filming on the summer location shoot and we were using their office and all the cards were up with a breakdown of each scene within each episode. So it says, you know, Compo says, there's no way you're going to get me in that contraption. <laughs> <laughs> and the next card said, shot of compo in that contraption <laughs> and, and Andy Riley took one of those cards down and just not a new <laughs> new card that just says compo bursts puppy with cock <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not the one I'm so happy I'm so happy you didn't do the one I remember oh yeah because the one I remember was compo finds body of child in burnt out car <laughs> That would have been the Christmas episode. Uh, Right, let's clear up some things uh, that need to be cleared up. In 1987, I've spoken about this, we went to the Edinburgh Fringe. I've spoken on other podcasts. And um, uh, it was a turbulent time. We were young men. Uh, I'd had sex once for 35 seconds with a lady. Uh, not sure you had at this no, stage. Um, no question that has, includes the phrase, we were young men. It's going to end well, <laughs> is it? Um, and uh, I was crying one night on the yeah. floor of Johnson Terrace because of some, someone had upset me. And to cheer me up, <laughs> you decided it would be a good... Do you remember this? Or yeah, have I yeah, imagined I it? No. Where you decided it would be a good idea to attempt to wank me off with the hand of a ventriloquist dummy... <laughs> That had been made by my great grandfather yeah. in 1895. Well, I knew that. Yes. I knew that it was very important. <laughs> my great grandfather could never have imagined, as he sculpted that hand out of papier mache, what it would be well, used for. Why did you do that? Well, first of all, <laughs> can you can you remember? What you were upset about? It's something about Rich Canning, I think, wasn't it? Was it about? Okay, well, we know the... something. Probably. I right. think it was. Well, it wasn't some... that, I wasn't upset that I hadn't yet been wanked off by a, a man utilising a ventriloquist dummy. That wasn't what I was like. If mate, you, th- if you mate, thought that mate. that was what it was, no. you were sadly mistaken. Okay, is it just me? Or look, there's a man leaving there. He's going. He's going. I didn't come here to hear a description of a man being masturbated with the papier-mâché hand of his own great-grandfather's hand-sculpted ventriloquist puppet. You're probably the third person... And yet person, it appears he did. You're probably well, the third person to touch my penis. Well, it wasn't... I didn't touch Fire. it. With, I didn't touch oh, yeah. it. What? <laughs> did Ali suddenly acquire the ability to move his hand around I my... didn't touch it. It was no more me than it would be if Orville had raped you. <laughs> <laughs> what it is is do you know like when someone's really upset about something and they're crying do you ever get this where you think oh, I could try and say something really consoling and sensitive here 
or I could do the most inappropriate thing I could possibly think of, <laughs> which may, like, sort of jolt them out of... Uh, you've done that. When Pete Bainham told you his... Um, well, yeah, there was both ways around. Pete Bainham did it to me. When, when, when my granddad, who gave me that ventriloquist dummy, handed it down from his father to me... Um, uh, he, when he died, I went to. It was, at, it was the other way around. Then you write back in your right, book. Yeah, I went, yeah. We did it both ways in the end. But um, I came back to the, uh, the flat I shared with Peter Bain at that point. He was in the kitchen, and I came in. I was my granddad had died. I was very upset. We'd been to the funeral, and Peter Bain <laughs> turned to me as I walked through a door, and he said, "I am delighted your grandfather is dead." <laughs> <laughs> and it made me kind of laugh and cry simultaneously. <laughs> I've never. I genuinely. Because the use of the word delighted, yeah, yeah, it's, delighted. it's so polite and formal. It's really funny. So when his dad died, I did it back to him as well. When his dad died, oh, yeah, when it went that's to much his... worse than the grand. I think actually, when his dad died, I came in with a smirk, and he said, and he said, and Pete preempted it, and he said, "Are you delighted?" <laughs> He's, you know, he's, my dad is similarly amusing as yours is, I think, as well. Uh, does your I'd dad... be worried about putting him out there. Yeah. Does your dad like what you do, though? Well, he sort of, he sort, yeah, I think he sort of does. I mean, he thinks he's funnier than I am, and he's only, fu- but he's only funny by accident, whereas I am. Uh, so, <laughs> very funny on purpose. But you know, he is a kind of this kind of massive. I mean, I think like most of our families, right? I think most people families are eccentric yeah, to them. You know, sure. When we because we get to know them better than anyone else. I just, I, I kind of admire you for taking that chance and putting it It was out difficult there. because, um, you know, well, it was Louis uh, Theroux that we went to school with who mm. suggested that we should, we should do it in the first place right. because uh, every, it was our Christmas Eve uh, routine that we would gather at my house <laughs> in Clapham and Joe and Louis would come over and we'd all get a bit pissed on this uh, kind of sparkling wine that my dad would produce, Lindauer, it's called. And um, then, uh, and my dad loved Louis because, you know, he was sort of from a kind of literary family and, and sort of respectable. You know, Louis was doing well and he was always bound for greatness. And me and Joe were just twats. So <laughs> he would sort of ignore us and, uh, and just monologue at Louis, you know. And, and, and me and Joe would sit behind my dad making faces at Louis, <laughs> making kind of blowjob faces and stuff. And then, uh, but Louis would always chuckle and say, oh man, you should put your dad on your show. That's the thing to do. So we tried it, but then I thought, uh, I found it it painful, you know, because I don't have like a very close, touchy-feely relationship with my dad, really. It's not what my family's like. And so uh, if you're in a kind of professional situation, things get complicated anyway no matter who you're working with and if it's your dad then it's even more difficult when we were in Ibiza I remember we went to uh, <laughs> one, one trick that my dad used to do like during the day we'd hang out and go to the beach and stuff and uh, Joe busted my dad taking uh, photographs of topless women <laughs> <laughs> totally unashamedly you'd sort of sit there and occasionally just go oh my goodness <laughs> Get out, get out a big, <laughs> get out a big fucking SLR and point it. Okay, there you go. Wonderful, wonderful. 
look, and her, his creepy catchphrase was, she's got nice eyes. <laughs> so, Dad, you, she's miles away. What are you talking about? She's got lovely, lovely eyes. And so, my, so Joe would be saying, Mr. Buxton, that is really not appropriate. Can you not do that? And then I, that would put me in a weird position because I'd be like, Joe, man, it's my dad. Don't, like, he's not total sex, but he is a sex pervert. But don't be, please, can we? Uh. And then we'd end up uh, filming. We, we went and filmed in a club called Space in, um, is it Spaced? No, that's the show. Space is the club in Ibiza. And, you know, it was a long night and uh, we hadn't really got that much stuff because my dad was so appalled by the whole scene that he... He was just grumpy about it. And again, it was this sort of tirade of, of negativity that we, we had to kind of minimize. And uh, Joe said, go. And there was, there was a guy sort of dancing semi-naked with a tiny little thong on, a very kind of muscly guy, on, uh, all, all greased on a podium kind of thing, grooving around. <laughs> and Joe got him to come over and like start grooving around with my dad and wrapping himself around my dad. And my dad fucking freaked out. <laughs> No, no, no. Absolutely not. No. That's beyond a joke. That is not amusing in any way. And then... uh, (laughs) So we ended up in the car park outside space with me (laughs) saying to my dad, listen, dad, you are not being professional. You are being totally unprofessional. And he flipped out, don't you dare call me unprofessional. <laughs> you know, because suddenly I was his son again rather than his employer. And <laughs> it was very fraught, the whole yeah. thing. That's why I wouldn't like to have my yeah. dad in my it's, stuff. It's <laughs> Having said that, more, than, more often than not, he was a total trooper and he, you know, and, and uh, he inhaled when it was, <laughs> when it was uh, asked of him. So, yeah. Stuart Lee says Stuart Lee uh, did a joke about you earning four million pounds a year yeah. and not giving money to charity, or yeah. you could be raising a lot more money for charity yeah. in your cycle rides. Yeah. He says that it was the character of Stuart Lee that. That was that. the weirdest thing. We had a chat about it, and uh, he said oh, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was the character, which is like sort of having an argument with a ventriloquist. <laughs> I didn't. I Don't didn't, bring I, up ventriloquist dummies and Stuart Lee. That is the last thing you want to. Do. I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't call you a cunt. It was Mr. Stinker, Mr. Stinker. <laughs> but the weirdest thing about it was um, watching it on TV. It's such an odd experience because he keeps saying my name. It's fucking weird. And you've had your name since forever. And suddenly, you know, a really famous, incredibly popular comedian is saying <laughs> Russell Howard over and over. And I was in a hotel room in Leeds and in a desperate attempt to kind of break the tension where every time he said my name I go say what <laughs> and he kept saying my name I went, what what, what, what now? Um, but you know it was either that or fucking weep because it was incredibly upsetting but uh, you know it's fine now eh? yeah and I didn't earn four million that's crucial and you know it made me sound like I'm sort of like some sort of money grabbing ass. but I'm not I don't do corporate gigs I just do my telly show and do some gigs and you know I'm not getting paid for this and God knows there's 360 seats here 12 pounds you'll be on a split you know I yeah. haven't asked for any dollar I'm doing alright <laughs> I do actually pay you do I? yeah yes. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> fucking brilliant <laughs> 
Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to donate that money to charity. Oh. And I was going to pay you for Peter Falls because I'm an edgy son of a bitch. <laughs> No, I will. I don't want any money, man. This has, been a, this has been a laugh. It's been because, very nice to have you But this here. is the weird thing as well. Big, like, you know, um, I used to watch you and Stuart when I was a child, so it kind of felt weird. It's like, it's like Gordon the Gopher just seeing you in the street and going, right, you cunt. <laughs> Do you know what it's like? Oh, oh Gordon. It's like oh, finding wait. out Jimmy Savile's a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Do you know the worst thing? Well, we did when he died. We did an episode <laughs> in the show that was really positive about him, just sort of saying. But the show now goes out in Australia, and we just fucking found it in time because it was going to go out the week after all these horrific stories. And he cuts me going, "Hey Jim, sorry you're dead. You were, you were such a, genuinely had the line. You're such a big part of my childhood. So it's like, fucking, I managed to find it. You know." This is one of my regular questions, but it will seem like it's been adapted especially for you. Have you ever seen a ghost? Oh, good ghosts. Let's talk about these. No? No. <laughs> we did actually go to a haunted house uh, for a Radio 4 documentary. and um, This was such a laugh. Was it called Ram House? The Ram Inn. The Ram Inn, which in is Lobster. even more of a carry-on... Uh, the Ram Inn. A carry-on title, Ghost Hunting at the Ram Inn. And, um, oh, it'll put the willies up you. And uh, we, we, uh, we sort of uh, got there, and there was this absolutely insane guy uh, who, who sort of lived there, and it was John. just a dump, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't an inhabitable house. Well, he lived there. Yeah, like Stig of the Dump. <laughs> And um, it was really funny. It was um, it was reputed like 14th century, and it was full of devil worship and child abuse. Once again, we come back to the theme <laughs> of the night. And um, <laughs> yes, so we were taken around. We had a medium with us, didn't we? Yeah, we Tony. had a medium, and we did a sort of uh, seance. And yeah. um, she said, "I'm going to do a tapping seance." So we did the glass moving, and everyone thought that the other person was moving. Jeremy the glass. was frightened. It was really funny. <laughs> he, he is very susceptible to that thing, and. Um, and, and, it's, and one of the questions was, what is death like? And it's spelt out, nice. No. <laughs> um, That's quite reassuring. Yeah. No. And then it's friendly, it's all right. No, I don't know if he did it in this voice. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Well, it's imagine right. it did. And don't, then, worry, don't be so scared about it, it's nice. It's quite <laughs> yeah, a nice, nice. nice ghost to have around. And then Mark said, if, right. you, if you were um, in the 14th century, why aren't you talking to us in Saxon French? <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and, it, and it sort of went F-O. Uh, <laughs> and, and then we did a tapping thing. So this was not, you know, none of us were doing it. And I was looking, I was sitting next to the medium. I was watching her. Her feet and hands were completely still. She wasn't doing any tapping. There was just the four of us around the room. And the, that was really creepy because yeah, we definitely... We started hearing it was responding with taps. Not bath <laughs> and it was it was like oh my god this is and there was a parapsychologist there as well who was recording it and he was he was excited it was like yeah. getting something fucking Mark <laughs> Gate is doing it <laughs> at the Be end of the night we went back we were so I was so excited I can't believe what this happened tonight it was me <laughs> are you kidding that's me ruined if, if the ghost was speaking Saxon French maybe what is death like niece <laughs> <laughs> very good yeah. 
Um, if you uh, could have, so I've gone to an emergency question because okay. there's a real. Uh, I feel I really, failed when you go no, to no, an emergency question. No, it's when I, I failed. Just... I only do when I failed. I've really failed this. We were going really well, and this uncomfortable. This is nearly what? the Google whack, but oh, well, for everyone about the Colin Baker. They just, no, they just don't like because I told you to fuck off. They don't. They All didn't right. like. They th- thought that was unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> Did Jonathan Ross tell you to fuck off during it? Did he go, oh, fuck no, they, off? He the... did about nine times. But they was, they, <laughs> they edited that out. it out. Yeah. If you could have a hand made of ham... <laughs> See, I knew I'd win them back. Or an armpit that dispenses sun cream. But... Because I know you're going to start stipulating stuff. I'm going to get that... Yeah. The ham hand, it would be usable yeah. as a hand... Yeah, it would so you know you could it would it wouldn't wouldn't make everything sort of vaguely salty and well, it might you know, it might be a bit seepage but you'd be it, what I'm going to ask is if I pick up <laughs> a piece of paper with my ham hand will it become translucent? I think if you're going to pick up a piece of paper, just be on the safe side. Use your non ham hand. Well, you know. You know as well as I do that sometimes it's convenient to make use of both hands. Well, I think you'd have to That's... look at your hand, judge the heat. If it's a hot day, I think the ham hand would have like little sprinkles of water. You know, like yeah. it gets those little. It starts to sweat a little bit, doesn't it? Ham in the fridge. Well, those little, little... Those little salty moisture's coming yeah, to the yeah, surface yeah, of does. the ham. Today I'm... is not a day to read my book with ham hand. I'll, I'll have to. I have to use a lectern and turn the pages with my non-ham hand. Or you could have a glove that you uh, a, Put a uh, glove waterproof over my glove. Can you imagine the, <laughs> the stench of hot ham that would come under that, from under that sweaty glove? I wouldn't be able to concentrate on reading because my hand would be so hot. Well, that You'd is... be able to be like I'd be able to put a fried egg on it, like you know, which is actually delicious <laughs> on a bit of gammon. <laughs> See, it's turning the hand, the hand, yeah, no, it's turning out pretty well. saying there aren't massive upsides <laughs> to the hand, hand. I'm just immediately. Well, you have to take all this into account. Yeah. Uh, but you would, if you ate it, it would grow back, but quite slowly. So you know, you'd, you would. So you, I wouldn't you be able to pick anything up <laughs> for how many hours after lunch? Well, I think you know, if you ate the whole hand, it wouldn't grow back for let's say a month. A month. <laughs> <laughs> So one wouldn't fully grow back. One you, large you could have a ham nip. meal, and I'm one-handed for a month. I think you'd, you'd have to shave bits of the ham off every right. hand again. You could shave it like and, and have a, it. a little slice. <laughs> yeah. But and ham, that is, grow back ham in. is incredibly Moorish. <laughs> That's one of the curses of the ham hand. This yeah. it's not it's Did not he, an obvious choice. If it was. If it was an immediately reproducing ham hand yeah. that didn't sweat and you could eat it and it would magically appear again, who wouldn't have that? Yeah. That's not a question. <laughs> Take, yeah. There is downside. You think... Yeah. It's like if the genie came and said, do you want a ham hand? And you went, yes, I want the ham hand. And you should have listened. I'm being kind. I'm not like a genie. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm giving you all of the... So you, you, you know, you've you been can... very honest <laughs> with me about the ham hand. <laughs> so it'd be yeah. really cool... You could so, eat a bit of it, and it would say if you ate the little finger, a finger would grow back in a day. You could bite off your little finger without. I mean, how often do you use your little exactly. finger? That's how long would it take for that to come back? Like a day. All right, so you could have a, a little finger's worth of ham snack free <laughs> every day, and the only downside is making everything greasy and hammy that you ever touch. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. <laughs> Wait, you or, haven't heard? Or it's, your armpit would dispense sun cream. 
Uh, the factor of your choice. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't decided whether you could change, whether you make that decision at the beginning of the when the when it's inserted. They go, it will always be factor twenty. <laughs> or, or whether you, where can, you can halfway through your holiday, you can go, you sort of strain a bit and up the factor. Mm, oh, that's a factor forty. <laughs> there, put that. Or it's, or it's just a bit of, but, oh, uh, again, you wouldn't be able to commercially viably set yourself up as a sun cream factory because you would only be able to produce about enough for yourself and your maybe your <laughs> wife and a one child. <laughs> like a bottle's worth. Uh, yeah, only a, a, one child. So we, we're, was I'd have to, where I'd have two children, I would have to show favouritism to one child by refusing daddy's pit cream <laughs> to one of the children. Saying, no, you, have to, we just, you just have to use the stuff from the shop. So only my favoured child, my firstborn, will have my actual naturally occurring cream. I think when you have kids, you'll learn that you would you'd probably do half of each kid in your sun cream, <laughs> and then <laughs> supplement then, the rest then, with a shop. And then board. buy some. Okay, but there wouldn't got... be enough to have, you know, uh, it depends how big your child and your wife <laughs> become. Yeah, right. But... Um, <laughs> I, I certainly am not in a position to predict the total surface area <laughs> of any family I should have it in future. It would be hard to do at this yeah, stage, but yeah. you have to take that into account. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't... It's only a, a hypothetical question, so there's no point oh, going thank into it. fuck for that. <laughs> <laughs> there's oh, no point. I thought I was in a real hole. 